Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Today, we are talking about how do you keep up with customers' expectations? So we all know that customers' expectations are constantly rising um, and therefore how well, you know, how do you keep up with um, customers' uh, expectations? Um, and, and, and let me just tell you a little bit of a story before I, before I get um, past this over to you, Ryan. Uh, and this is um, because I think there's a sort of a bit of a, an interesting thing when you start talking about expectations. Um, because we actually, when you think about it, have an expectation for everything. So mm-hmm. when I'm running a session, uh, one of the things I always like to do is I, I like to ask the audience how many of them have. So, in fact, I'll, I'll ask you this, Ryan. Have, uh, have you been to the Congo? No. What would you expect the Congo to be like? Humid. <laughs> Very right. humid. Um, and probably lots of things that would try to kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Green absolutely. and leafy and dangerous. What would the vegetation be like? Lush. Yeah. So the interesting thing for me is always how did you get that yeah. expectation in your mind when when you've never actually been there? Never having been. Yeah. And, and, and for me, and you may tell me m- more stuff from an academic perspective, for me – it's a you're influenced by the media so Mm -hmm. you've seen films that talk about you know uh, the congo or whatever it may be um you have similar um you've gone well i've not been to the congo but i've been to kenya or Mm -hmm. you know i've been to some something else that's sort of similar to that so you're it's a a similar experience Uh, you know or you could have meet a friend who said hey i went to the congo last week and this happened you know so all those things uh start to affect your expectation and clearly the issue becomes let's assume that you went to the congo next week um then you would then be going oh i thought it was going to be humid but it wasn't as humid as i thought it was going to be um and clearly that's then matching against your you know your expectation Um, so the interesting bit for me is, and if you tie that back to business, you know, I may never have bought from an insurance company. I may never have bought from an insurance company, but as soon as you say the words insurance company, you go, yeah, I've dealt with them before. I've Mm -hmm. contacted their call centers. I know what their, their claims process are like. Uh, so you're, you're automatically putting all those expectations on, you know, what that experience is going to be like uh, straight away. So that's my layman's explanation. Um, but I'm sure you're now going to correct me and tell me what, what, what actually happens. No, not at all. In fact, what I'll do is just explain exactly the same things you just did in a much more confusing way. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I'm a scientist. Uh, but no, you, you hit all the, the high points. Sometimes... Sometimes I have the opportunity to give um, like a single lecture on uh, customer psychology um, or, or human decision making. 
uh, where I, I only have one shot at explaining to people what I think is the most important stuff. And I will always talk about reference points. We've talked about it in, in previous uh, episodes of the podcast. We'll talk about it in future episodes of the podcast because so much comes back to this. And, and in this regard, you know, your, your uh, discussion about expectations is exactly right. The way we evaluate everything is by comparing it to something. That, that's just the way humans evaluate stuff. And so never having been to the Congo, I've heard something, I've read something, I've, I've seen, you know, documentaries. Um, I've got some set of expectations and I'm going to measure that experience relative to my expectations. So, you know, we're going to dig into what do you do to keep up with customers changing expectations. But the, the first step is to figure out what are people comparing you to? You know, to your point, Colin, it's not necessarily their last experience with you as a company, right? It could be they're comparing you to their last experience with your competitor or with uh, some service that's kind of like yours, two categories over. Um, but they're bringing something. They're bringing some set of expectations. What is that? What's their starting point? Yeah. And I guess some of those expectations are, are – um conscious and i'm i'm probably using the wrong words again but sort of conscious and subconscious or technically using the wrong words um some of them are you know they can people can articulate and some people can't yeah no a conscious and unconscious or subconscious is is perfectly appropriate there if, if you're aware of it then it's conscious and if you're not then it's non-conscious or subconscious um and, and yeah that's exactly right so some of these expectations are oh you know i remember watching that david attenborough um documentary so therefore these are these expectations are going to have and some of them may be buried deep down in your psyche from you know when you read heart of darkness when you were in high school and formed some expectations we're talking a lot about the congo today i, th I think we could cross post this podcast on like a geography um <laughs> subscription service i don't yeah I'm, I'm just thinking here just marketing colin work with travel, travel. um talking about yeah, doing something but no travel, to your point it's it, that's exactly right i I make the argument that um, a lot of times people have formed an expectation of the prices of a store before they even see the first price tag um, because they're getting all of these really subtle cues about kind of how nice of a store this is. Uh, and I think that the same works for customer experience. You're getting these cues about what kind of experience this is going to be before sometimes the experience even starts in earnest. Um, and those form your expectations and they form how you're going to evaluate the experience as a whole. Yeah. Um, and and I, so I guess the interesting question becomes, I go back to the title of this podcast, how do you keep up with those expectations? Um, so, go on, you carry on. Yeah. Um, th uh, most of this is bad news for companies um, just because of the way human beings are wired. Um it turns out that our expectations kind of reset fairly quickly. So what was surprisingly good and delightful at time one becomes less so at time two. And by time three, that's kind of your expectation. So uh, psychologists sometimes refer to this as the hedonic treadmill. The idea is that, you know, you might get really happy about something at some point in time or really bummed about something. But you'll kind of rebound and go back to where you were fairly easily. Um, they've done studies uh, on long-term happiness 
with uh, lottery winners, with people who have, with amputees, people who have lost a limb, um, you know, divorcees, people who have just gotten married, uh, all of these really positive and really negative life events. And what you'll see is these spikes in happiness and sadness that last sometimes a few months, but then remarkably quickly we go back to where we were. You see that happen on the customer side too. Um, you know, by my third trip to Disney, it may very well be that, you know, it's still going well and I'm happy, but you know, that, that first experience was just magical. And then, you know, by three or four, it'll just be kind of pleasant. And But it's more or less what I was expecting at that point. The Intuitive Customer Podcast is brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Since 2002, Beyond Philosophy has been helping organizations improve their customer experience through their consulting, training, and research services. Find out more at beyondphilosophy.com. That's beyondphilosophy.com. Here's some stuff that drives me around the bend. I go in to see a client and they say, we did this research eight years ago and (laughs) it told us this. And therefore, we're now doing, you know, this as a sort of a consequence of that. And you think to yourself, yeah, but I mean, just given your point, you know, that was eight years ago. I mean, you think think what you were doing eight years ago. Think how much technology has changed eight years ago or even three years ago. Um, and, and, that, and therefore, for me, I see too many organizations relying on old research mm. um, that, 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 you know, because it's only a, ever a snapshot uh, in time. Um, I see too many organizations um, ignoring research. Mm-hmm. So I remember when I was at, um, at British Telecom, um, I just taken over the customer experience job. And um, this uh, outside company were coming in and telling us about um, how to uh, change uh, the service levels that we were providing um, um, our customers. And, you know, they were basically saying you need to improve the lead times on some of your products. Can, can I interrupt you, Colin? Are, are we yeah. going to ignore the fact that you started talking about British Telecom and got a phone call right then? Are we going to pretend that that's a coincidence? Oh, well, I think what we've learned is that they've improved their customer experience since you left. And they yeah. are. They've heard me tell the story before, and they're, going to, they're phoning me up and say, don't tell them that no, story. No, please, stop. <laughs> sorry, sorry, go ahead, please. That's all right. So anyway, so this uh, organization came in, and they were uh, telling us that we needed to uh, change the lead times, and I said, right. Uh, and they were really getting quite upset, and, and this, is a, this is an external vendor. And I said, why are you getting so upset? And they said, we've done this research for you for the last four years mm-hmm. and you've never changed anything. <laughs> <laughs> and every year you engage us to come and tell you the same thing and you never do anything about it. So I, I then said, right, we're going right, to do something about this. So, and we did. Um, and it improved and customers got happier. And, but uh, again, moral of the story is if you've got research, you've got to do something. You've got to do something about it. Um, uh, and that's two time, very important morals. That's one. And then the first yeah. point you made is also really important. Um, you know, customer preferences change with time. Yes. Keep yes. up. Yes. And, and if you think about, um, if you just think about technology and the marketplace and everything else, it changed. So it changes so, so, so rapidly. 
Yeah. But let's let's talk a little bit about. Um, so again, I think you know we 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 both agree, and I, I hope that our listeners would agree that you need to do research. Mm-hmm. But now we're into what type of research? Because again, a little hobby horse of mine is. I see lots of people doing research on understanding how quickly customers want something to be delivered or how customers, you know, what price should we do this at? I see very little research on what customers' emotional expectations should be like. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So how should they be treating them? What do they expect? You know, um, you know, all those types of things. Any any thoughts on that from your your perspective? Um, well, I mean, I would, we could approach it from a number of perspectives to keep it consistent with what we've talked about. Um, you can, you can bring a reference point perspective to, um, that as well, right? So the things that trigger emotions are a lot of times things that people are measuring relative to their expectations. Um, and the things that trigger emotions are sometimes things that are harder to measure. Um, sometimes the things that are easy to measure don't necessarily correlate with um, uh, with, with emotional reactions. Let me give you an example. Um, across a lot of experiences that people have, people are not as sensitive to, um, the duration, the length of time something takes. I think waiting on the telephone for customer service is an exception to this rule. Uh, I think people are better acclimated to that, but, uh, it's, it's got a name. It's, it's so well known. It's called duration neglect. Um, people just are not sensitive to how long something something take some things take and part of that is because we don't have real good expectations for how long a new experience is going to take but that's very easy to measure and so a lot of times you'll see firms really trying to improve the turnaround time uh trying to to minimize kind of that that time to customer if customers notice that um and it's measurable to them and something that they care about then that's great that'll improve the experience but sometimes customers don't notice and are just not in a position to measure that. And that wasn't part of their expectation. And so just because something is easy to measure doesn't necessarily mean that it ties back to those emotions that you care about. Right. So, uh, so are we saying therefore that there are, there are some things that customers don't even know themselves that they therefore find and therefore you won't know. And therefore it's difficult to measure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm a proponent of kind of traditional market research techniques. Ask people, um, try to find out what they, what they can tell you about their experience. Um, but I also, and I, and I think we've addressed this before, people don't always know. They don't always have access to all the sure. things that are driving their own, uh, opinions of things. And so, um, I recommend supplementing that research with, um, some deeper dive stuff that'll get it at the yeah. underlying emotions. Yeah, and and certainly uh, I think we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to harp on about it. But there's a piece of research methodology that we use called an emotional signature, which compares the what people say they want against what drives value. Okay, Um, so in other words, going back to your Disney example, Disney know that people say they'd like to have an option of a salad. But um, when they go to the theme park, but Disney know people don't eat salads when they go to the theme park. They eat hot dogs and hamburgers. So there's a difference between what people say and what they do. And one of the key pieces of uh, interesting bits that we find out is that the things that typically organizations 
think that customers, um, you know, that have a high expectation on them, things like price and delivery and reliability, mm. you know, those things are important, but they are not as important as what I would call here these emotional expectations. In other words, are they going to care for me as a person? Are they going to value me as a customer? Um, and again, those things can be difficult to to measure. Uh, but I guess the 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 you know the customer, the person has an internal benchmark of being valued. Yeah, uh, what that means and what that looks like and what people would what that organisation would do to make me feel valued. Uh, and that is part of their, uh, what I would call, emotional expectations. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I've got one more bit of advice yeah, for people on this, if you want to hear it. Um, uh, we've, we've talked about reference points and the importance of um, knowing what people are, are evaluating you against and how those reference points can shift. There's one more bit of bad news, and then, and then I'll give you some uh, advice to deal with it. Um, there's a concept called uh, diminishing sensitivity. If you've taken any economics, you may have heard of diminishing marginal returns. It's a similar idea. The idea is that the better something is, um, the less sensitive people are to changes in it. So the example I use here is um, when the, the first Apple iPhone came out. Yeah. It, um, I remember them talking about it on uh, NPR when I was driving home from work that day. And uh, they just they spent an hour talking about this phone like it was just changing the world. People couldn't believe it. And they were so excited about all the features. And then if you compare that to the, lat the last two or three iPhone updates, uh, the new additions that came out, you know, still good. People were excited about it. You know, they're still selling. OK, but the the emotional response, the amount that people were excited about it, the iPhone is in this problem that a lot of technology firms are in, which is that their product is just so good, it's hard to get people to care about more improvements on that. So, you know, the resolution is even better than it was before on the screen. The, the camera is even better than it was. The yeah. battery is lasting even longer. All of these are now getting to the point where they're kind of incremental improvements, and it's just hard to get people to care. Yeah. Um, sometimes hard to get people to notice. Yeah. So, if you're in that spot, if your if your experience is is so good, um, these aspects of your experience, my advice is you need to find new ways to compete. Right? You need to identify new attributes that nobody's currently competing on, um, because then you can benefit from these reset lower expectations that you can improve on. So continuing to get better on the things that you're already really good on is ultimately likely to be kind of a losing proposition. You don't want to get worse on those things. Um, and if you can improve them over time, kind of in, a, in an efficient manner, that's good. But that's not going to help you win. You, you need to broaden the base, get, find new ways of, of uh, surprising and delighting your customers. We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook. Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. As you were just talking about this, I was thinking about on Sunday, I went fishing. 
Okay. Now, how am I going to make the link between what you're saying and uh, fish? I am listening. Let's hear it. <laughs> so I've just bought myself um, the new iPhone 10. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, I'm a big Apple fan. Um, and I was disappointed on Sunday because I was fishing and I had my sunglasses on because I live in Florida and I had my sun hat on and the facial recognition didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so I was having to take my hat and sunglasses off every time I was trying to access my phone, um, which is a bit of an exaggeration. But I, I, I guess that the, what made me think about what you were saying was, um, it, it's also about understanding your customers and even segmenting the market. So uh, this is an extreme yeah. example, but, you know, Apple could have um, a phone for fishermen who wear sunglasses and hats and therefore facial recognition doesn't work that well. I know you can put the code in, but you get the point. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's if you understand your customer base at a deeper level, uh, and a more subconscious level, um, you can then start to um, um, pull out a whole different level of segmentation, which means a whole different level of, you know, product features and, and stuff like that to make it. Uh, and I guess what everybody does, they wrap it up in this phrase, more personalized um, yeah. uh, down to their to to their segment. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the the facial recognition is a really interesting feature. Um, if you compare the the launch of the most recent iPhones to those of the the previous two or three generations, this one generated a lot more excitement. And I think at least part of the reason is because they had that brand new feature. So it wasn't yeah. just incremental improvements on things that had already been around for two or three generations of phone. Yeah. Facial recognition was something that was just brand new. And so they benefited from this whole new reset of expectations. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that was because nobody else in the market is doing it. Um, uh, and therefore, it's not the norm, is it? Um, and, you know, it starts to not make- yet. Unfortunately no. for Apple, <laughs> it's not going to no. last for one time. No, I mean, that's the challenge. But um, I have to say it's, it is the challenge, particularly for a company like Apple that was yep. known for their innovation. Um, it's because, you know, now people just expect for something amazing to happen every year. And it, and it, and it doesn't, basically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's the hard, the hard part of success there for a lot of firms. Yeah. Good. Okay. So hopefully that gives you all of you on um, our view of how to keep up with customer expectations. I, th- I think sort of um, going back to, you know, classic stuff of what is it you need to do? Um, you need to, to, to research your customers frequently mm-hmm. uh, and you need to really take notice of the answers that you're getting. Um, and it shouldn't just be normal research uh, you know it shouldn't just be what do you think of the price what do you think of the the product it needs to be far deeper uh than that uh, and and then the organization needs to sort of rally around that um as i said before i think far too many occasions uh the the market insights team are undervalued in organizations mm. um uh, you know they go out and do loads of great research but little of it is used uh, to any great consequence in my experience. Um, so any, any last pearls of wisdom for you? Uh, no, yeah, just, just to reinforce, understand what 
people are comparing you to and anticipate that that point of comparison will change and need to keep on top of them. Great. Okay. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Um, if you uh, can tell other people about the podcast, if you think it's great, uh, then please do so. If you think it's bad, then don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> to set their Master of customer experience, Colin Absolutely. Shaw. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, no, we look forward to um, to hearing you or you hearing us anyway uh, at, um, at the next podcast. And if you've got any ideas on what you'd like us to cover, then please just go to beyondphilosophy.com, drop us a line, and we'll uh, we'll be glad to um, uh, to include any comments or any um, subjects in uh, in a future podcast. So thanks very much, and be careful out there. Thanks, everybody. This has been the Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. <laughs>